a lot of people would consider family businesses as being small, like, you know, mom and pop stores and kind of that kind of an idea that people had about it. And one of the big things that we try to contribute here is that people realize that actually some of the largest companies in the world are essentially still family owned enterprises, right? Welcome to episode 101 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is the podcast that looks at all aspects of work in the future. It's brought to you by Wonder, and I'm your host, Doug Folks. With me is the CEO at Wonder, Claire Haydar, and this month we're talking about family businesses. With co-founder of Orbis Terra Media, a global content marketing agency, editor-in-chief of Tharawat magazine, and family entrepreneur Ramya El Agmi. Now, before you jump to the conclusion that a family business is just a mum and pop shop and this podcast is not for you, hang on. Ramya is here to explain that the family business model is in fact the most frequently used business model worldwide. And in this first episode, we will look at exactly what a family business is. And more specifically, three of the biggest opportunities that are open for women in family businesses. Over to you, Claire. Ramia, hello and welcome. It's just so good to have you with us here on the show today. I, You and I have a kindred connection, which I won't go <laughs> into in detail, but um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because the topic is near and dear to both our family hearts. Thank you, Claire, and thank you, Doug, for having me. I'm very excited about the conversation today. Good. So, Ramia, jumping right in, in this very first segment of the conversation, I actually just want us to take a big picture step back and talk about actual family business dynamics. Before we dive into the questions, can you share with us a little bit about yourself and what you do today to set up the conversation? And then we can dive into the more specific nuances of family businesses themselves. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So uh, the the very, very short boiled down version, I think the easiest way to describe um, what my current activity is, is that I'm primarily an entrepreneur, first and foremost. And I should say I'm a family entrepreneur because everything I do in business, I do with my uh, two sisters. And uh, everything I got to do at the beginning of my career I started off with was sort of like incubated, I would say, by my parents. So I'm, I'm fully embedded into the family originated business, uh, if you will, dynamics. And uh, so we started in, in 2008 when I graduated. Um, my dad had this idea where he wanted to launch a publication for family businesses. Actually, he had been uh, involved in executive education for many years, has a very successful business in that uh, area. And uh, he'd been traveling all over the world. And for him, what emerged constantly was that family businesses were these incredibly important contributors to private economies all over the world. That in business schools and generally everywhere, we seem to not focus on them as much as on other businesses. So he was very uh, disappointed by that because he felt that their approaches to business and the success that they generated over generations was worth documenting more thoroughly. And funnily enough, that sort of like became our focus, not just in the publishing side, but also in the nonprofit that we created in the Middle East for uh, family businesses in the Middle East, where we sort of like created a peer network. But maybe to come back to the publishing side, we didn't start a Tharawat magazine in 2008, which was a great idea, Claire. Like, you know, you should definitely always start a business in the middle of a financial crisis. Brilliant. <laughs> I highly Very recommend good it. Idea. 
And so, yes, brilliant, honestly. And there went my 20s, as I always say, like I really don't remember them or much of them. And so we built up Tharawab magazine and the idea was to create a publication that would take a truly global perspective on the family business topic and really get all these family business stories from all over the world to share a different kind of best practice in business, a best practice that was focused on stewardship, ensuring legacies that would last for generations and were not just focused on the next quarter, if you will. And so we built this magazine uh, out of the total hubris, <laughs> that is our entrepreneurial hubris, that we somehow thought we could. And uh, so we deluded ourselves into being able to, if you will, and we are still here, which is the good news. We uh, So the magazine today, like, you know, we carry about 1,300 uh, articles. We've interviewed hundreds of family businesses around the world. It's a podcast. It's an interactive format. And it's just been a beautiful journey. And, and through that publishing journey, we just became very much in love with just content and the power of content and what content can do for people if it's conveyed to them in the right way at the right time and how transformative it is. And so we built Orbis Terra Media around that, which is our content marketing agency, which is my primary concern right now, aside from being on the board of the various other entrepreneurial endeavors that my sisters and I are undertaking. So yeah, so it's like a it's a very busy life and like a very diverse life, but that's primarily what I do. And uh, yeah, of course, our spinoff, which I think Claire is a little bit how we connected, which is the uh, very important spinoff publication that we created, which is the Women in Family Business Platform, which I'm happy to talk about a little bit more in a minute. I know you have questions about that. So <laughs> thank you, Ramia. You know, we usually don't dive into the specifics of people's backgrounds. We kind of usually keep that to the end of the conversation. But in this case, I actually did feel it was really important for you to lay mm. that, that stage mm -hmm. for us. So let's dive into family businesses. You know, as you say, and I fully concur with your dad, you know, around they get such little attention in executive education programs, you know, within universities around the world. It literally is, in most cases, just a chapter. And maybe one class is, you know, dedicated to reviewing them. But very, very few business schools actually really dive into them and consider them to be an area worthy of significant research and research funding. So, Talk to me a little bit about the defining characteristics of family-owned businesses and why they really should be treated and seen as, as very different and very unique in their contribution to capital markets. Well, you know, it's interesting, Claire, right? Like, you know, because I'm part of one myself and because I mostly deal with family businesses in my capacity as the editor of the magazine, I, you know, I don't really think of family business necessarily as special. I think, of course, also we have to not underestimate purely from a numbers point of view, they are in fact the norm, right? Like, so mm, it's like true. the majority of businesses in the world are actually family owned and family run. It's just for some reason, I think mainstream media has convinced us otherwise, or we don't ask ourselves enough the question whether businesses are actually family run or family owned or not, or it's not really something that is uh, foremost to our minds to the running of the business. But it actually is an important factor, we have found out. And the academic field around family business is relatively young. I think we're hitting maybe 40 years now, so it's still a fairly young field, but it's a very fast expanding field. And the more we study family businesses and we compare them, of course, to their non-family peers, 
the more we do see that, of course, it is a special set of circumstances, right, like that you encounter in the family business. So depending on, I would say, the level of family involvement, you know, the complexity can be quite intense because you can imagine, like, I think we all know here on this podcast what it takes to build a business that in itself is already like seemingly insurmountable challenge. And now you add to that the complexities of like, you know, keeping your family together in a harmonious way. And then you combine those things you know, <laughs> into one sort of like uh, explosive, very interesting combo. You can imagine that like, you know, the challenges are uh, slightly different, I think, than when you are uh, operating in, you know, your usual corporate environment. I think one of the reasons why there might have been sort of a lack of attention to family businesses is I, when I started out in this a particular niche topic, what I realized was that a lot of people would consider family businesses as being small, like, you know, mom and pop stores and kind of that kind of an idea that people had about it. And one of the big things that we try to contribute here is that people realize that actually some of the largest companies in the world are essentially still family owned enterprises, right? Like, so your, your Samsung's, your BMW, and your all of those really well known names, right? Like they're actually they, they either were until recently family owned and family run or, you know, come from family ownership at the outset and which built their success. And so I I think it's it's just been really interesting to see how there has been a shift now. Like we're definitely looking at family businesses different than when we started out 15 years ago. And I'm happy to see that because I do think that what I mentioned before, this outlook on like this sort of like this different approach to business, which is more a, an approach to business that I guess focuses on longevity, even though longevity, as we know, it's not always the sexiest thing in business, right? Like, because it means like it's patience. It's like investing in things that don't immediately show results. It's investing in a culture that is very patient in the long run, etc. Sometimes you have to do things that will pay off for your children's or your grandchildren's generation as opposed to your own, you know, so it's not always the easiest sell, I guess. And there's no, there's sometimes little immediate gratification, but I do think currently also in this current economy that we're in and sort of the world that we're faced with that is going through a lot of trauma and, and difficult times, you know, relation to technological change, but also climate. I actually think that family business and the way we approach the stewardship over multiple generations might actually be a much more interesting business model to pursue for, for these generations that are coming now. Ramya, from my side, it's nice to meet you and welcome to the podcast. Nice that I've got a chance to, to chat to you. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Likewise. So you've chosen to niche even deeper into an already quite specific niche area. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you felt so compelled to do so? You know, Doug, I do think like, you know, it's the usual entrepreneurial mindset of like, you know, you just see a gap, right? Like, and you become passionate about evening that out. I do think that there, at the time when we started, there definitely wasn't enough content about family businesses. And then we built women in family business because there wasn't enough content by women about family businesses, right? Like, so it's always kind of like addressing that next. When we see something that's uneven, I think we just want to <laughs> we just want to address it and even it out. And in this particular case, it was like a, you know, it wasn't even like a very difficult sell in our minds because Clearly, the moment you look into family businesses, you realize how important they are. And it just makes a lot of sense to, you know, create content around them, make sure that their stories are told and that they're considered as, uh, 
you know, important stories and also that can can help so many people around the world. So it was a bit of a no brainer, to be honest with you, once we understood their economic consequence as well. Yeah. So, Ramya, wrapping, you know, if you take the question that I asked you, if you take the question that Doug asked you and you look at the answers that you've given us, I think the main point that really stands out for me is what you said about the fact that we need to stop and actually recognize that the majority of businesses are family-owned businesses, you know, or at their origins are family-owned businesses, even really, really large multinational conglomerates like Samsung, BMW, Facebook, etc. And so if we look at what we want to discuss on this podcast and where we really want to niche is the role that women specifically play in these family you know, businesses. And the reason why we specifically want to call that out is because as much as family dynamics has been neglected, you know, from an executive education perspective, et cetera, um, the role that women specifically play is even more neglected. So share with our audience, you know, what are the three biggest opportunities facing women within this niche area today? And I'm very comfortable for you to answer that from, you know, is it, the academic research side? Is it it within the businesses themselves? But let's just take that broad view. Like what are opportunities that women can take hold of today in this environment that they weren't necessarily able to 30 years ago? So it's it's interesting, uh, Claire, right? Like, so I'm very much aware always of these discussions, like getting strong reactions out of people, right? Like I get a lot of people telling me, why do you have a women and family business podcast? It's polarizing and stuff like that. And I always tell them the same thing. I tell them like, look, the moment things are equal, I'm happily going to stop this podcast. I will happily not have this discussion anymore. But the fact of the matter is it is not currently equal. It is not, women are not well represented, neither in the family business in terms of the roles that they take, nor in the way the thought leadership around family enterprises is shaped. And when I say not well represented, I do not take away from the enormous contribution some women have already made and some women are leading family businesses to new heights. But I think in terms of like just numbers, we're still like way behind. And that's, of course, because men have historically had the advantage in terms of getting those business roles and have historically had the advantage of being published. And it just feels like there's a lot of catching up for us to do in that respect. And I think if I may just speak mostly to the role of women in the family enterprise, now that being like, you know, an operational business or being part of a family office doesn't really matter. I think the big difference in the conversation we have, for instance, on women in family business, our podcast and our blog is that when you are part of a family enterprise as a man or a woman, you're kind of born into that circumstance. It's not really something that you can necessarily help, like unless you're the founder, right? Like who decides to build this business, involve the family, the subsequent generations are kind of born into it, right? Like they're born into, you know, oh, you know, the factory around the, um, down the street belongs to us or like, you know, the, you know, the previous generation sold this huge business and now we have a lot of family wealth and stuff like that. These are not things you can help. And I think what we realized when we had these discussions was that, you know, because of primogeniture and stuff like that, and it used to be like, you know, father to eldest son for such a long time, how women factor into this sort of like paradigm wasn't really thought of until quite recently, right? Like where now we see so many more women inheriting. We see so many more women actually taking on these leadership roles. We see so many more women 
becoming the main successors, really. I, do, I think in, in this in these next few years, we're seeing more women come into like more wealth transferring to women than ever in you know human human history. And the thing is, is that all of these things are happening, but there's not a lot of thought leadership yet, like by women, right? Like for women, for instance. So I think these two things kind of play into each other. Like, you know, whether it's like actually women not being represented enough in family businesses or women not actually talking enough to the issues surrounding the family enterprise. And I think so both these things now need to really move fast, in my opinion. I think we're already seeing a lot of families really being very equal about the, um, you know, the opportunities that are given to 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 men to men and women in the in the families and stuff like that. But it still feels like it's something that could be accelerated, to be quite frank. And I think one of the mandates that we have is to say, you know, the more content we also get from women, and not just about what is it like to be a woman in business? I mean, God knows we've talked about that enough, I think, right? Like, so, but it's more about just women lending their perspective on things, you know, typical family business topics like succession, raising the next generation, philanthropy, ESG, all of these things, because we mostly have male perspectives on these things. And because the workplace is mixed and because inheritance is mixed now, we need more female voices as well. So that was our motivation to build women in family business. And that's what we also think is going to make family businesses sustainable in the future is obviously if everyone gets a seat around the table, right? Like and if all voices are heard. I feel like for a long time, I had this problem where a lot of women would pride themselves in their sort of invisible roles. Like, you know, they would feel... And I'm not saying I'm not taking away from that. I have them myself in my family, right? Like, so you're the unofficial buffer or you're like, you know, you you manage things at home and you have like a lot of influence there or something like that. We all have those roles that are not acknowledged or don't come with a business card. But I do think we have to be careful. Definitely, I would never trade visibility over influence, but I also think we need to be careful if we don't manage some visibility, there's no precedence being set for the next generation. And we are sending the wrong message to the next generation of girls of like, you know, or whatever, whatever gender you identify with. We're sending the wrong message about what's possible. So representation does matter, I think, also in family businesses, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It completely does. And it really does answer my question, you know, because ultimately your your bottom line summary is it's the female perspective. That's the voice. You know, we're not trying to recover ground that's already been covered or anything like that. It's It really just is the female perspective because that hasn't really been voiced up until now. And that brings us to the end of the first part of our conversation about family businesses with family entrepreneur Ramya El Agami. To follow this conversation further, make sure to catch the next two parts on your favourite podcast platform or on Wanda's website, wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon.